Very appropriate that today we come to the seventh M in our series of uh, looking at the front line where we serve God, where we spend most of our time uh, being a, a messenger of the gospel is the title of this morning's. So we're going to uh, uh, just uh, relax for the next 10 minutes, but listen carefully, I hope, to the DVD from Mark Green, uh, which lasts just under uh, 10 minutes, about nine and a half minutes, and it's about being a messenger of the gospel. Let's listen. Have you ever played that travel game where someone says a word and you have to say the first thing that pops into your head? So someone says, Cameron, and you say, Diaz, if you're a lover of films and gorgeous smiles. What you say if you're into politics depends, I suppose, on who you vote for and how you think things are going. Someone says, Carlsberg, and you say, probably the best lager in the world. Someone says, Jesus, and you say, saviour. Lord, friend, brave, kind, shepherd. Someone says evangelism. And you say, well, what would you say? Evangelism is a knotty subject for lots of us, and it's pretty easy to get caught up in all kinds of negative emotions about it. But whatever your front line, you can be confident of three things. God wants people saved. It's God who saves people, not you, not your eloquence, not your perfectly prepared responses to tough questions. God saves people. And thirdly, you have a role in this, however small. Yes, As we've seen, there are all kinds of ways we demonstrate the difference Jesus makes in our lives. But the people on your front line also need to hear who made the difference to you and who is the only one who can make an eternal difference to them. How can you be a messenger of the gospel on your front line? Well, of course, every front line is different. The dynamics are different. The people are different. But you do have some things going for you. You're there. You have time on your side. And as Liverpool fans sing it, You'll never walk alone. God is with you. So instead of worrying too much about all the difficulties, instead of being concerned that you are responsible for the evangelisation of your entire gym, your entire street, the whole of the NHS, the city of Bradford, though who knows how God may work through you, let's begin by thinking about whether there's a particular person whom God might be wanting you to reach out to in however small a way. Maybe someone comes to mind. Ask God. You might be surprised. You might be horrified of all the people on all the front lines. It had to be her. Oh, Lord. Still, once you have a sense of who's on God's heart for you, you have a place to begin. You can pray. You can ask others to pray. You can ask God to help you develop a relationship where you can be open with one another. And you can think about what interests them, what particular concerns they might have, or what particular questions they might have, or which of your Christian friends they might really get on with. You can begin. And having begun, you can persevere. Of course, 
part of being serious about wanting to see someone come to know Jesus is getting ready to share the good news with them. Being prepared, as the Apostle Peter puts it, to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Notice, Peter doesn't say, be prepared to answer any and every difficult question someone might lob at you. He just says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, why do you follow Jesus? And I don't think Peter meant be ready to drop some pre-packaged formulaic summary of the gospel into the conversation. I think he meant be prepared to answer the question in a way that's natural for you and appropriate to the person asking you. Jesus, after all, doesn't talk to the uneducated woman at the well in Samaria in the middle of the day in the same way as he talks to the rabbi Nicodemus in Jerusalem in the middle of the night. So be prepared and help one another be prepared. Still, being a messenger of the gospel is more than the direct communication of salvation through Christ. We can be a messenger of the gospel by bringing gospel perspectives on the issues people bring up in conversation. What perspective might we offer, for example, on a sporting injustice or a situation in a soap opera or an issue in the news? What wisdom can we offer about the girlfriend they're really not very sure about, the child who's being difficult, or their worry over a parent? People are craving for wisdom for their lives, and God's built a lot of wisdom into you already through your life experience, your Bible reading, through teachers and preachers, and through the people in your group. People don't have to agree with you, it's just your point of view, but a grain of truth is more valuable than a tonne of chaff. Now another way we can be a messenger for the gospel is by testifying to Jesus' impact on our lives. Richard was working in an office and he'd become a Christian, but he didn't say anything about it to any of his colleagues. After about six months, a woman came up to him and said, you know, something's really changed about you and I've been trying to work out what it is, and I've finally figured it out. You've become a vegetarian. Now that's what I call an opportunity. Or maybe somebody says something like, I just do not understand how you can be so calm in your situation. I would have murdered him. It reminds me of that episode in the West Wing when US President Jed Bartlett is talking about the pressure that he's under, and he says... The only thing you can really do in this job is pray. You can try coffee, but I find prayer works. So there are a variety of ways to speak gospel truth and therefore a variety of ways to prepare ourselves to do so. And though you may be praying for a particular person, you never quite know when God might open up an opportunity or who that might be with. Here's a true story. Anita worked in a pretty big office and as she walked the corridors between departments she'd smile at people she knew and smile at people she didn't know, as you do. People would smile back and occasionally someone would say hello. Renata was one of those unknown colleagues. Week by week, month by month, Anita and Renata would pass by smiling at each other and occasionally saying hello. They never stopped to chat because they had work to do and people to meet whose names they did know. And so time passed in little hellos and small smiles. And then at the end of an ordinary working day, Anita was walking to her car. And there was Renata 
coming towards her. Renata stopped and they began to talk. Renata told Anita that her child was extremely ill with serious eczema <laughs> and asthma that just wouldn't go away. And she told her also that she wanted to leave her husband. Anita listened and asked her if she could pray for her and if her home group could pray for her child. And then she got a Bible out of the box of Bibles that she had in the boot of her car and she gave Renata a Bible. And then Anita prays and her home group prays. And actually Renata's child gets a whole lot better and she doesn't leave her husband but she grows closer to him and she grows closer to Christ and then later she joins a church. Of course, Anita was ready in all kinds of ways. She, she knew what to ask. She had a box of Bibles in her boot and she had a home group that she could turn to for prayer. But what was the trigger for that remarkable encounter? Well, the trigger was a smile in a corridor. Just a smile in a corridor. And what of God's hand in all of this? Well, God so loved Renata that at her point of despair, she just happened to be in the same part of the car park as the person that God had strategically placed in that workplace to serve his purposes. Just as two and a half thousand years before, God had strategically placed Queen Esther in the imperial palace to serve his purposes. God loves the world. God loves the people on your front line. When someone says the word evangelism, what do you think of? Parties in heaven, angels rejoicing, and a smile on the Father's face. The Lord be with you this week. Well, let's uh, turn to Scripture uh, and a passage that was uh, featured in that DVD. We'll read 1 Peter 3, uh, beginning at verse 8 and finishing at verse 16. So, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, at verse 8, let's hear God's word. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days and keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But that even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray. 
Lord God, would you open up this word and this concept of each of us being a messenger of the gospel, that we might hear your word and seek to put it into practice. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're well familiar in Orangefield that the great commission of Jesus is to go into all the world with the gospel of the good news of Jesus. We're familiar with the idea of being committed to mission. We love to hear of other people going on mission, doing mission. But sometimes the idea that you and I individually, personally, are called to be messengers of the gospel in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, brings us out with a cold, clammy feeling of fear. Would I be asked to say something about my faith? I wouldn't want to offend anybody, we argue, and we sometimes convince ourselves that we know so little it would be better off not to show and share our ignorance. But this morning we're thinking, as we heard in the DVD, that we are on our front lines, and wherever we are on our front lines, we are to be messengers of the gospel. What I hope we've been learning over the past number of weeks is not that we are just to serve God on our front lines at home and work and in the church and community, but also that we all actually do more than we probably imagine to serve God and act as his witnesses. We need to realize that actually being a messenger of the gospel starts with living a life that honors Jesus. Only then will our words have any impact. For people are very quick to spot hypocrites who say they're one thing but live another. In the Bible passage we just read, Peter was talking about the daily lives of believers. And earlier, his letter deals with our living hope in Christ with believers' attitudes to secular authorities and relationships in the home. And in the verses we read, Peter invites his audience to reflect upon the church. Let me repeat 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. For he says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers and sisters, be compassionate and humble. The church is a community that is to grow and be shaped by all the virtues of the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the differences I think we need to understand in our minds is that there is a list of gifts of the Holy Spirit that God gives to his people. And those gifts are many and varied and different. And the scriptures tell us through Paul's writing that the Spirit distributes the gifts that he has to each person as he will. So your gift will be different from mine, and mine will be different from someone else's. Not all are to have the same gifts. But we always point out and say that when Paul writes in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, the word that he used in the original language, karpos, is singular, so it's never the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and so forth. And it is that cluster of fruit that is to develop in all of us so that our lives reflect increasingly the image and the nature of Jesus. So we are a community to be shaped by the fruit and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And the reason for that is that we are to be messengers of the gospel by the lives that we live. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verses 2 to 3. He writes to this church that he's been so involved with, and he says to them this, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 3, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You yourselves are our letter, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, bringing His fruit, not in tablets of stone, but in tablets of human hearts. So Paul says that as a community of people, people are reading us. When you are in work, when you're in school or college, when you're at home, when you're speaking to your neighbors, you are a letter that they are reading, and in the reading of that letter, they're beginning to have some appreciation of what it is like to be a Christian. And if you're a messenger of the gospel, and the letter of your life is not reflecting Jesus, is not pointing people to Jesus, then there's something wrong. And so before we speak to anyone about Jesus, we are to live lives that reflect the character, love, and compassion, and the grace of Jesus. How are we doing on that score? Let's ask ourselves some honest questions. What about that fruit of the Spirit in my life and in yours? Are we becoming more forgiving? Are we becoming more merciful? Are we becoming more full of the grace of God? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? That's the challenge of living as the church of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But then look at the next verse in uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 9. And uh, here Peter changes the the, the kind of atmosphere that he's thinking of. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with cursing or negativity. See, Peter recognized and Jesus warned us that the world would not be a particularly friendly place for Christians. Indeed, this, home, this world is not really our home anymore because Jesus is making a home for us in glory. And I, I look forward to seeing that. I look forward to seeing what Jesus is shaping for me uh, in the home that he has promised that he's preparing for me above. But you see, whatever homes we have in this world are so temporary. And we invest so much energy and time and effort into making them beautiful as we can. But Actually, our real home is in glory as Christians. And Peter warns us that the world is not really our home. It becomes a place in which we are, in one sense, aliens or immigrants in the world, passing through. And Peter focuses on those who would want to silence Christians or simply dismisses as being outdated, irrelevant, and boring and here the values of the kingdom of God stand the world's values on their head. And Peter urges us in the face of opposition to act with an opposite spirit, if you like, to opposition. We are not to stand on our rights. We are to bless, not curse. 
We are to turn the other cheek. We are not to serve self-interest. We're not even to serve the church, dare I say. But we are above all to serve Jesus. We are to live to an audience of one. Our relationship with Jesus is more important than any other relationship in this life. Indeed, taking up the theme that this world is not our natural home anymore as Christians. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. We are, he says, therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is an official envoy, especially the highest-ranking diplomat who represents a state usually to another country. So an ambassador will not normally live in his own country. We are no longer part of this world. We are ambassadors sent by Jesus into an alien world. An ambassador will represent the state that he is from or she is from And as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we are also appointed to live as his representatives, representing the kingdom of God. Everything we do and everything we are as people should bring credit to our Lord and Master. Everything we represent should advance the cause of Christ's kingdom in a foreign state that isn't our home, but the front line, if you like, of where God has placed us to serve him. I cannot but help think That when we live for Jesus, then people will ask us questions that give us opportunities to be a messenger of the gospel. I've said to you before that when I worked in uh, civil service and when I worked as a teacher for a year, very often the question that came to me was, are you good living? Uh, It was a question I hated because I feel that good living is the least of my concerns at one level. And it's a bit like the guy Richard in the DVD that, uh, that, that, that uh, someone came to him. I've been trying to think. They said, uh, what, what's been different about you? And I, I've come to the conclusion, uh, have you become a vegetarian? And Mark Green said in the video, what an opportunity uh, to open up and say, it's Jesus that has made the difference in my life. But look at First Peter three fifteen to 16 that Mark Green emphasized in the video, uh, and particularly note the beginning of verse 15. I'll come back to that in a minute. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, your hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But listen to this. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slender. Integrity of living is important. And note the place that Peter puts on our hearts here. If we set Jesus apart as Lord in our hearts, if we pursue that vertical relationship with him above all else in life, then as we live for Jesus, people will become curious. And when people ask us questions about our faith, whether it's, have you become a vegetarian or have you become good living? Peter says, treat them with gentleness and respect. Being a messenger of the gospel is not about using manipulation or aggression or arrogance or bullying tactics. 
When people raise issues that are important to them, we shouldn't jump down their throats because if we take no notice of the person involved, then we are more likely not to respond well to them. But if we notice the person, if we give respect to the issues they raise, then the person will know that they are listened to and respected. And as Mark pointed out in the DVD, you and I will never convert anyone. We will never save anyone. Only God can do that by the work of his Holy Spirit. So as we conclude, let me ask a few questions. What are your expectations of being called to be a messenger of the gospel? Well, let me suggest some things. We should expect that our lives will be spent among some people who will reject us because of our faith. There will be people who will say you're peddling lies. There will be people who say you're outdated, foolish, ignorant, unschooled. You're not listening to the world around about you. We should expect that our lives will be spent among some people who reject our faith. We should expect that life in the community of the church will be very different. And if it isn't different from life in the world, there's something wrong. If we are not going out from this place into neighborhoods and communities and workplaces and schools and colleges and hospitals and factories and offices, wherever we are, if there is nothing different from us, from people who are not Christians, then we need to say, is there something very wrong with my life and my testimony? And we should expect that people will ask us about our hope in Christ. And if they don't, then we need to pray that God will give us opportunities to speak. Indeed, we should be praying for that anyway. Remember Anita in the story in the DVD, the conversation she had with that woman in the car park as they bumped into each other, uh, and the woman shared about her sick child and her troubled marriage, and Anita said, well, could I pray for you and for that situation? Could I ask my small group to pray? Uh, And they did, and the child was healed, and the marriage was healed, and uh, the lady came to church, and presumably the implication was she came to faith. The trigger, said Mark Green, was a smile in the corridor. Tomorrow you'll pass people in work, wherever you might be. What about just a smile and hello? It may be the trigger to a conversation for Christ that you could never imagine would happen. So how do we respond to this this morning? You see, Mark Green said that God loves the people on your front line. Um, I I think I've said to you before that when I worked in the civil service, it was in the days before rules about smoking in offices were introduced. I thank God that they have been. But I worked in an office where there were eight of us, uh, four by four, sitting opposite people. And I used to sit opposite a, a lady called Teresa, who used to delight in taking a puff of the cigarette and just blowing smoke over me and I'd be taking papers from my desk and I'd be going like this uh, and the last person in the world I wanted to speak to about Jesus was Teresa yet one day she said to me you a Catholic? I said no not really are you good living then? 
And I said, no, not really. And I don't actually remember where the conversation went. I probably failed miserably. The question was asked. The last person in the world I would have wanted to speak to. So who's on your front line? Who can you pray for that God might use your life, your words, your testimony? It could be a member of your family. It could be a colleague in work, a neighbor, someone you meet in the gym or the school gate, wherever your front line is. But here's a challenge. And occasionally I've thrown out challenges. And you know what? A few weeks ago I threw out the three-pound challenge. And I said, what about taking three pounds and using it, maybe buying somebody a cup of coffee, maybe sending somebody a card, uh, and uh, I've heard of about four people who did that. I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. That was an easy challenge. Here's a harder one. I'd love to think that more than four people would take up this challenge. Will you this morning, just as we close... Pray for someone that you might speak to about Jesus. Our associate minister, Gary, has organized a whole big pile of white Jesus booklets. They're sitting out in the vestibule table there. And the challenge is this. Why not start with saying to God, show me one person to whom you would ask me to be a messenger of the gospel. It might even start with you just smiling in the corridor tomorrow. And if you feel that God puts a name in your heart or in your head, well, why not take then a white Jesus booklet home with you? But only take one if you're determined that you will take that booklet and give it to someone. The story in the DVD was Anita who happened to have a big box of Bibles in the boot of her car. If you want to do that, that's fine. All I'm asking is you might take one white Jesus booklet And begin to pray and say, God, who could I share this with? Who could I speak to as a messenger of the gospel? So let's take time to pray for a moment. And there are questions on the order of service that you can ask yourself or speak of with others in your small group. uh, And maybe those questions will help you. But let's pray for the moment. First of all, O God, I ask that you would forgive us for any way in which people might look at us and justifiably claim that we're hypocrites, that what we say we believe is not matched by how we live. Would you forgive us, Lord, and help us to be determined to have a church community of love, and forgiveness, and grace, and mercy, and compassion, and a sticking together as brothers and sisters through thick and thin, that we can actually genuinely say to the world, we have a community here, a family of God that's real. Forgive us if we have broken that unity. Forgive us if we have become those who grumble and complain and knock down and rubbish and help us to be people who will look to Jesus who will live to an audience of one God please forgive us and equip us to be a people who are brimming with the fruit of the spirit 
flowing over with an abundance of fruit that will make people curious. And will you take time just in a moment of quiet to pray perhaps for one individual? It could be, as I said a moment ago, a member of your family. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone in work. Uh, and maybe a specific name comes to mind. Well, why not take time now to pray for that individual and say, Lord, would you make me to him or to her a messenger of the gospel in this incoming week or fortnight? Just take that moment to pray. Oh God, we thank you that as Mark Green reminded us, you love the people on our front lines, all of them without exception. We thank you that you are a God who saves. And we thank you that your desire is that everyone would be saved. And we thank you that we cannot do it ourselves. It's a sovereign work of your spirit. And yet, in spite of that, you call us to be messengers of the gospel. So would you help us, Lord, to be messengers of the gospel, first of all, in how we live, that we may put behind us the failures of the past, that we may repent of those things in our lives that are wrong, that we may lay everything wrong and bad and sinful at the foot of the cross, and there receive the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus who chooses to remember our sins no more, no more. And if you have placed in our hearts a name, then, Lord, help us to pray for that individual today and tomorrow and in the week and the couple of weeks to come. And if we think that you could possibly use us, then, Help us just to take a white Jesus booklet, not to throw it at the back of a cupboard or down the back of a chair, but to actually keep and use to share with someone. Wouldn't it be great, O oh God, if you used us, each one of us, to bring another person to Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if each one of us did that and we had no room in church for the people who had come? Lord, would you help us to take the challenge in Jesus' name? Amen.